Section 5 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 2, Part 3. And this is the story of Bonivar the Beautiful. She sat gazing on the jewel and its counter-changing splendors in her hand, and the thought of Almeral and his necessity was her only thought. Not ten minutes of the hour had passed before the women, waiting on her, announced Akleet and the broker Bolp. Bonivar gave little heed to the old fellow's grimaces and the compliments he addressed her, but handed him the jewel and desired his valuation of its worth. The face of Bolp was a keen edge when he regarded Bonivar, but the sight of the jewel sharpened it tenfold, and he crossed his arms, exclaiming, A jewel, this? So Bonivar cried to him, Fix a price for it, O thy broker. And Bulp, the old miser, debated and began prating, O lady, the soul of thy slave is abashed by a double beam. This the jewel of jewels, thou truly of thy sex, and saving thee there's no jewel of worth like this one. And together ye be, wallahi, never felt I aught like this, since my espousal of sulka that's gone, and twas nothing like it then. Now, O my princess, confess it freely this is but a pretext this valuation of the jewel and akleet our go-between and leave the rewarding of him to me wallahi i can be generous and my days of favour with fair ladies be not yet over blessed be allah for this day and thinkest thou those eyes fell on me with discriminating observation ere my sense or perception was struck by thee not so for i had noted thee O moon of hearts, from my window yonder. In this fashion, Bulp the broker went on prating and bowing and screwing the corners of his little acid eyes to wink the wink of common accord between himself and Bonivar. Meantime, she had spoken aside to one of her women, and a second black slave entered the chamber, bearing in his hand a twisted scourge, and that slave laid it on the back of Bulp the broker and by this means he was brought quickly to the valuation of the jewel. Then he named a sum that was a great sum, but not the value of the jewel to the fiftieth part, nay, nor the five hundredth part of its value. And Akleet remonstrated with him, but he was resolute, saying, Even that sum leaves me a beggar. So Bonivar said, My desire is for immediate payment of the money, and the jewel is thine for that sum. Now the broker went to fetch the money, and returned with it in bags of gold one half the amount and bags of silver one third and the remainder in writing made due at a certain period for payment and he groaned and handed her the money and took the jewel in his hands ejaculating in the name of allah that evening when it was dark and the lamps lit in the chamber and the wine set in the nosegay almeral asked of bonivar to see her under the light of the jewel she warded him with an excuse but he was earnest with her. So she feigned that he teased her, saying, "'Tis that thou art no longer content with me, as I am, O my husband?' Then she said, "'Wert thou successful in thy dealings this day?' His arm slackened round her, and he answered nothing. So she cried, "'Fie on thee, thou foolish one! And what is thy need of running over this city? Know I not thy case in thine occasion, O my beloved? Surely I am queen of serpents, a mistress of enchantments, a diviner of things hidden, and I know thee. 
Here, then, is what thou requirest, and conceal not from me thy necessity another time, my husband. Upon that she pointed his eye to the money-bags of gold and of silver. Almeryl was amazed, and asked her, How came these? For I was at the last extremity, without coin of any kind. She answered, How but by the serpents? And he exclaimed, Would that I might work as that porter worketh, rather than this. Now seeing he bewailed her use of the powers of the jewel, Bonivar fell between his arms, and related to him her discovery of his condition, and how she disposed of the jewel to the broker, and of the scourging of Bulb. And he praised her, and clave to her, and they laughed, and delighted their souls in plenteousness, and bliss was their portion. As the poet says, Bliss that is born of mutual esteem, and tried companionship, I truly deem. A well-based palace, wherein fountains rise, from springs that have their sources in the skies. So were they for a while. It happened that one day, that was the last day of the year since her wearing of the jewel, Akleet said to them, Be wary, the vizier Aswarak hath his eye on you, and it is no cool one. I say nothing. The wise are discreet in their tellings of the great. Tis certain the broker Bulp forgetteth not his treatment here. They smiled, turning to each other, and said, We live innocently. We harm no one. What should we fear? During the night of that day, Bonivar awoke and kissed the prince, and, lo, he shuddered in his sleep, as with the grave cold. A second time she was awakened on the breast of Almeryl by a dream of the serpents of the lake Caratis, the lake of the jewel. And she stood up, and there was in the street a hum of voices, and she saw there, before the house, armed men, with naked steel in their hands. Scarce had she called Almeryl to her, when the outer door of their house was forced, and she shrieked to him, "'Tis thou they come for! Fly, O my prince, my husband! The way of the garden is clear!' But he said sadly, "'Nay, what am I? It is thou they would win from me. I'll leave thee not in this life.' So she cried, "'O my soul, then together!' but I shall hinder thee, and be a burden to thy flight. And she called on the all-powerful for aid, and ran with him into the garden of the house. And lo, by the waterside, at the end of the garden, a boat full of armed soldiers with scimitars. So these fell upon them, and bound them, and hailed them into the house again, where was the dark vizier Azorak, and certain officers of the night watch with a force. The vizier cried when he saw them, I accuse thee, Prince Almeryl, of being here in the city of our lord the king, to conspire against him and his authority. Almeryl faced the vizier firmly, and replied, I knew not in my life I had made an enemy, but there is one here who telleth that of me. The vizier frowned, saying, Thou deniest this, and thou here, in thy father at war with the sovereignty of our lord the king? Almeryl beheld his danger, and he said, Is this so? Then cried the vizier, Hear him, is not that a fair simulation? So he called to the guard, Shackle him. When that was done, he ordered the house to be sacked, and the women and the slaves he divided for a spoil. But he reserved Bonivar to himself. And lo, twice she burst away from them that held her, to hang upon the lips of Almeryl, and twice was she torn from him, as a grape-bunch is torn from the streaming vine, and the third time she swooned, and the anguish of life left her. Now Bonivar was born to the harem of the vizier, 
and for days she suffered no morsel of food to enter her mouth, and was dying, had not the vizier, in the cunning of his dissimulation, fed her with distant glimpses of Almeril to show her he yet lived. Then she thought, While my beloved liveth, life is due to me. And she ate and drank, and reassumed her fair fullness and the queenliness that was hers. But the vizier had no love of her, and respected her, considering in his mind, Time will exhaust the fury of this tigress, and she is a fruit worth the waiting for. Well, a high, I shall have possessed her, ere the days of over-ripening. There was, in the harem of the vizier, a mountain girl, that had been brought there in her childhood, and trained to play upon the lute, and accompany her voice with the instrument. To this little damsel, Bonivar gave her heart, and would listen all day as in a trance to her luting, till the desire to escape from that bondage and gather tidings of Almeril mastered her, and she persuaded one of the blacks of the harem with a bribe to procure her an interview with the porter Akleet. So at a certain hour of the night, Akleet was introduced into the garden of the harem, and he was in the darkness of that garden, a white-faced porter with knees that knocked the dread march together. But Bonivar strengthened his soul, and he said to her, "'Twas the doing of Bulp the broker, and he whispered the vizier of thee and thy beauty, O oh, my mistress, surely thy punishment and this ruin is but a part payment to Bulp of the price of the jewel, the great jewel that's in the hands of the vizier. Then she questioned him, And Almeril the prince, my husband, what of him? Akleet was dumb, and Bonivar asked to hear no more. Surely she was at the gates of pale spirits within an hour of her interview with Akleet, and there was no blessedness for her save in death the stiffer of ills, the drug that is infallible. As is said, dark is that last stage of sorrow, which from death alone can borrow comfort. Bonivar would have died then, but in a certain pause of her fever, the vizier stood by her. She looked at him long as she lay, and the life of her large eyes was ebbing away slowly, but there seemed presently a check, as an eddy comes in the stream, and the light of intelligence flowed like a reviving fire into her eyes, and her heart quickened with the desire of life while she looked on the vizier. So she passed the pitch of that fever, and bloomed anew in her beauty, and cherished it, for she had a purpose. Now there was rejoicing in the harem of the vizier Aswarak when Bonivar rose from the couch, and the vizier exulted, thinking, I have tamed this wild beauty, or she had reached death in that extremity. So he allowed Bonivar greater freedom and indulgences, and Bonivar feigned to give her soul to the pleasures women delight in, and the vizier buried her in gems and trinkets and costly raiment, robes of exquisite silks, the choicest of Samarsand in China, and he permitted her to make purchases among certain of the warehouses of the city and the shops of the tradesmen, jewelers and others, so that she went about as she would but for the slaves that attended her and the overseer of the harem. This continued, and Aswarak became urgent with her, and to remove suspicion from him, she named a day from that period when she would be his. Meantime, she contrived to see Akleet the porter frequently, and within a week of her engagement with the vizier, she gazed from a lattice window of the harem, and beheld in the garden, by the beams of the moon, Akleet, and he was looking as on the watch for her. So she sent to him the little mountain girl she loved, but Akli would tell her nothing. Then went she herself, greeting him graciously, 
for his service was other than that of self-seeking. Akleet said, O lady, mistress of hearts, moon of the tides of will, tis certain I was thy slave from the hour I beheld thee first, and of the prince thy husband, Allah rest his soul. Now these be my tidings, well high. The king is one maddened with the reports I've spread about of thy beauty, yea, raging, and I have a friend in his palace, even an undercook, acute in the interpreting of wishes. There was he always gabbling of thy case, O my princess, till the head cook seized hold on it, and so it went to the chamberlain, thence to the chief of the eunuchs, and from him, in a natural course, to the king. Now from the king the tracking of this tale went to the undercook down again, and from him to me. So was I summoned to the king, and the king discoursed with me, I with him, in fair fluency, he in ejaculations of desire to have sight of thee, I in expiation on what he would see when he had his desire. Now in this have I not done thee a service, O sovereign of fancies. Bonivar mused and said, on the after-morrow I pass through the city to make a selection of goods, and I shall pass at noon by the great mosque, on my way to the shop of Eben Rulchuk, the king's jeweller, beyond the meat-market. Of a surety I know not how my lord the king may see me. Said the porter, "'Tis enough on my head be it, and he went from her singing the song. How little a thing serves fortune's turn, when she's intent on doing. How easily the world may burn, when kings come out a-wooing. Now ere she set forth on the after-morrow to make her purchases, Bonivar sent word to the vizier Aswarak that she would see him, and he came to her drunken with alacrity, for he augured favorably that her reluctance was melting toward him. So she said, O oh, master, my time of mourning is at an end, and I would look well before thee, even as one worthy of being thy bride. So bestow on me, I pray thee, for my wearing that day, the jewel that be in thy treasury, the brightest and clearest of them, and the largest. The vizier Aswarak replied, and he was one in great satisfaction of soul, All that I have are thine, wallahi, and one a marvel that I bought of Bolt the broker, that had it from an African merchant. So he commanded the box wherein he had deposited the jewel to be brought to him there in the chamber of Bonivar and took forth the serpent jewel between his forefinger and thumb, and laughed at the eager eyes of Bonivar when she beheld it, saying, "'Tis thine, thy bridal gift, the day I possess thee.' Bonivar trembled at the sight of the jewel, and its redness was to her as the blood of Zervin and Almeril. She stretched her hand out for it, and cried, "'This day, O my lord, make it mine.' So the vizier said, "'Nay, what I have spoken will I keep to. It has cost me much.' Bonivar looked at him and uttered in a soft tone, Truly it has cost thee much. Then she exclaimed as in play, See me how I look by its beam? And in her guile she snatched the jewel from him and held it to her brow. Then Aswarak started from her and feared her, for the red light of the jewel glowed and darkened the chamber with its beam, darkening all save the luster that was on the visage of Bonivar. He shouted, What's this? Art thou a sorceress? She removed the jewel, and ceased glaring on him, and said, Nothing but thy poor slave. Then he coaxed her to give him the jewel, and she would not. He commanded her peremptorily, and she hesitated. So he grasped her tightened hand, and his face lowered with wrath, 
Yet she withheld the jewel from him, laughing, and he was stirred to extreme wrath, and drew from his girdle the naked scimitar, and menaced her with it. And he looked mighty, but she dreaded him little, and stood her full height before him, daring him, and she was as the tigress defending a cub from a wilder beast. Now when he was about to call in the armed slaves of the palace, she said, I warn thee, Vizier Aswarak, tempt me not to match them that serve me with them that serve thee. He ground his teeth in fury, crying, A conspiracy and in the harem? Now thy traitress, the logic of the lash, shall be tried upon thee. And he roared, Ho, ye without there, ho! But ere the slaves had entered, Bhanavar rubbed the jewel on her bosom, muttering, I have forborne till now, now will I have a sacrifice, though I be it. And rubbing the jewel, she sang, Hither, hither, come to your queen, come through the grey wall, come through the green. There was heard a noise like the noise of a wind coming down a narrow gorge above falling waters, a hissing and a rushing of wings, and behold, Bonivar was circled by rings and rings of serpent folds that glowed round her, twisted each in each with the fierceness of fire, she like a flame rising up white in the mists of them. The black slaves, when they had lifted the curtain of the harem chamber, shrieked to see her, and Aswarak crouched at her feet with the aspect of an angry beast carved in stone. Then Bonivar loosed on either of the slaves a serpent, saying, What these have seen they shall not say. And while the sweat dropped heavily from the forehead of Aswarak, she stepped out of the circle of serpents, singing, Over, over, high to the lake, sleep with the left eye, keep the right awake. Then the serpents spread with a great whirr, and flew through the high window in the walls as they had come, and she said to the vizier, What now, fearest thou? I have spared thee, thou that madest me desolate, and thy slaves are a sacrifice for thee. Now this I ask, where lies my beloved, the prince my husband? Speak nothing of him save the place of his burial. So he told her, in the burial ground of the great prison, she rolled her eyes on the vizier, darkly exclaiming, Even where the felons lie entombed, he lieth? And she began to pant, pale with what she had done, and leaned to the floor and called, Yellow stripe with freckle red, coil and curl and watch by my head. And a serpent with yellow stripes and red freckles came like a javelin down to her, and coiled and curled round her head, and she slept an hour. When she arose, the vizier was yet there sitting with folded knees. So she sped the serpent to the lake Caratus, and called her women to her, and went to an inner room, and drew an outer robe and a vest over that she had on, and passed the vizier, and said, Art thou not rejoiced in thy bride, O Azorak? T'was a wondrous clemency hers. Now but four more days, and thou claimest her. Say nothing of what thou hast seen, or thou wilt shortly see nothing further to say, my master. So she left the vizier, sitting still in that chamber, and mounted a mule, attended by slaves on foot, before and behind her, and passed through the streets, till she came to the shop of Eben Rulchuk. The king was in disguise at the extremity of the shop, and while she examined this and that of the precious stones, Bonivar for a moment made bare the beauty of her face, and love's fires took fast hold of the king, and he cried, I marvel not at the eloquence of the porter. Now she made Eben Rulchuk bring to her a circlet of gold, with a hollow in the frontal centre, 
and fit into that hollow the serpent jewel. So while she laughed and chatted with her women, Bonivar lifted the circlet, and made her countenance wholly bare even to the neck, and the beginning slope of the bosom, and fixed the circlet to her head with the jewel burning on her brow. Then when he beheld the glory of excelling loveliness that she was, and the splendor in her eyes under the jewel, the king shouted and parted with his disguise, and Eben Rolchuk and the women and slaves, with Bonivar, fled to the courtyard that was behind the shop, leaving Bonivar alone with the king. Surely Bonivar returned not to the dwelling of the vizier. Now the king Marshalid espoused Bonivar, and she became his queen and ruled him, and her word was the dictate of the land. Then caused she the body of Almeral, with the severed head of the prince, to be disinterred and entombed secretly in the palace, and she had lamps lit in the vault, and the pall spread, and the readers of the Koran to read by the tomb, and then she stole to the tomb hourly, in the day and in the night, wailing of him in her utter misery, repeating verses at the side of the tomb, and they were, Take me to thee like the deep-rooted tree, my life is half in earth and draws, thence all sweetness, O may by being pause, soon beside thee. Welcome me soon as to the queenly moon, man's homage to my beauty sets, yet am I a rose-shrub budding regrets, welcome me soon. Soul of my soul, have me not half but whole, dear dust thou art my eyes, my breath, draw me to thee down the dark sea of death, soul of my soul. And she sang, sadder they who drink life's cup, till they have come to the bitter sweet, better at once to toss it up and trample it beneath the feet. For venom charged as serpent's eggs, tis then and knows not other change. Early, early, early have I reached the dregs of life and loathe and love the bittersweet revenge. Then turned she aside and sang musingly, I came to his arms like the flower of the spring, and he was my bird of the radiant wing. He fluttered above me a moment and won the bliss of my breast as a beam of the sun, untouched and untasted till then. The voice in her throat was like a drowning creature, and she rose up and chanted wildly, I weep again. What play is this, for the thing is dead in me long since? With all the reviving rain of heaven bring me back my prince. But I, when I weep, when I weep, blood will I weep. And when I weep, sons for fathers shall weep. Mothers for sons shall weep. Wives for husbands shall weep. Earth shall complain of floods red and deep when I weep. Upon that she ran up a secret passage to her chamber and rubbed the jewel and called the serpents to delight her soul with the sight of her power and rolled and sported madly among them, clutching them by the necks till their thin little red tongues hung out and their eyes were as discolored blisters of venom. Then she arose and her arms and neck and lips were glazed with the slime of the serpents and she flung off her robes to the close-fitting silken inner vest looped across her bosom with pearls, and whirled in a mazy dance-measure among them, and sang melancholy melodies, making them delirious, fascinating them, and they followed her round and round, in twines and twists and curves, with arched heads and stiffened tails, and the chamber swam like an undulating sea of swift sapphire lit by the moon of midnight. Not before the moon of midnight was in the sky ceased, Bonivar sporting with the serpents, and she sank to sleep exhausted in their mist. Such was the occupation of the queen of Marshalid, when he came not to her. 
The women and slaves of the palace dreaded her, and the king himself was her very slave. Meanwhile the plot of her unforgivingness against Aswarak ripened, and the vizier, beholding the bride he had lost, Queen of Marshalid, his master, it was as she conceived that his heart was eaten with jealousy and fierce rage. Bonivar, as she came across him, spake mildly, and gave him gentle looks, sad glances, suffering not his fires to abate, the torment of his love to cool. Each night he awoke with a serpent in his bed. The beam of her beauty was as the constant bite of a serpent, poisoning his blood, and he deluded his soul with the belief that Bonivar loved him notwithstanding, and that she was seized forcibly from him by the king. Otherwise, thought he, why loosed she not a serpent from the host to strangle me even as yonder black slaves? Bonivar knew the mind of Azrak and considered, The king is cunning and weak, a slave to his desires, and in the bondage of the jewel my beauty. The vizier is unscrupulous, a hatcher of intrigues. But that he dreads me, in hopes a favor of me, he would have wrought against me ere now. Tis then a combat twixt him and me. O oh, my soul, art thou dreaming of a fair youth that was the bliss of thy bosom night and day, night and day? The vizier shall die. One morning, and it was a year from the day she had become queen of Marshalid, Bonivar sprang up quickly from the side of the king, and he was gazing on her in amazement and loathing. She flew to her chamber, chasing forth her women, and ran to a mirror. Therein she saw three lines that were on her brow, lines of age, and at the corners of her mouth and about her throat a slackness of skin, the skin no longer its soft rosy white, but withered brown as leaves of the forest. She shrieked, and fell back in a swoon of horror. When she recovered she ran to the mirror again, and it was the same sight, and she rose from swooning a third time, and still she beheld the visage of a hag, nothing of beauty there save the hair and the brilliant eyes. Then summoned she the serpents in a circle, and the number of them was that of the days in the year, and she bared her wrist and seized one, a grey silver with sapphire spots, and hissed at him till he hissed, and foam whitened the lips of each. Thereupon she cried, Treble tongue and throat of hell, what has come upon me, tell? And the serpent replied, Jewel queen, beauty's sprice, tis the time for sacrifice. She grasped another, one of leaden color, with yellow bars and silver crescents, and said, Treble tongue and throat of fire, name the creature ye require. And the serpent replied, Ruby lip, poison tooth, we are hungry for a youth. She grasped another that writhed in her fingers like liquid emerald, and cried, Treble tongue and throat of glue, how to know the one that's due? And the serpent replied, Breast of snow, baleful bliss, he that wooing wins a kiss. She clutched one at her elbow, a hairy serpent, with yellow languid eyes and flame sockets, and livid lustrous length, a disease to look on, and cried, Treble tongue and throat of gall, there's a youth beneath the pall. And the serpent replied, Brilliant eye, bloody tear, he has fed us for a year. She squeezed that hairy serpent till her finger points whitened in his neck, and he dropped lifelessly crying, Treble tongues and things of mud, sprang my beauty from his blood? And the serpents rose erect, replying, Yearly one of us must die, yearly for us dieth one, else the queen an ugly lie lives till all our lives be done. Bonivar stood up and hurried them to Caratus, 
When she was alone, she fell toward the floor, repeating, "'Tis the curse!' Suddenly she thought, "'Yet another year my beauty shall be nourished by my vengeance. Yet another! And, O oh, vizier, the kiss shall be thine, the kiss of doom. For I have doomed the air now. Thou, thou shalt restore me to my beauty, that only love I now, my prince is lost.' She veiled her face in the close veil of the virtuous, and dispatched Akleet, whom she exalted in the palace of the king, to the vizier. And Akleet stood before Aswarak and said, O vizier, my mistress truly is longing for you with excessive longing, and in what she now undergoeth is forgotten an evil done by you to her, and she bids you come and concert with her a scheme deliberately as to the getting rid of this tyrant who is an affliction to her, and her life is lessened by him. The vizier was deceived by his passion, and he chuckled and exclaimed, My very dream, and to mind me of her then she sent the serpents, while a high in the matter of women, wait, for as the poet declareth, Tis vanity our souls for such to vex, patience is a harvest of the sex. And they fret themselves not overlong for husbands that are gone, these young beauties, I know them. Tell the queen of serpents I am even hers to the sole of my foot. So it was understood between them that the vizier should be at the gate of the garden of the palace that night disguised, and the vizier rejoiced, thinking, If she have not the jewel with her, it shall go ill with me, and I foiled this time. Ukleet then proceeded to the house of Bulp the broker, fronting the gutted ruins where Bonivar had been happy in her innocence with Almeril, the mountain prince, her husband. Bulp was engaged haggling with a slave merchant the price of a fair slave, and Ukleet said to him, Yet a while delay, old Bulp, ere you expend a fraction of treasure, for truly a mighty bargain of jewels is waiting for you at the palace of my lord, the king. So come thither with all your money-bags of gold and silver, and your securities, and your bonds and dues and writing, for tis the favourite of the king, requireth you to complete a bargain with her, and the price of her jewels is the price of a kingdom. Said Bulp, hearing is compliance in such a case. And Duckleek continued, what a fortune is yours, O Bull! Truly the tide of fortune setteth into your lap. Fail not, Wallahai, to come with all you possess, or if you have not enough when she requireth it to complete the bargain, my mistress will break off with you. I know not if she intend even other game for you, O lucky one. Bull pitched his girdle and shrugged, saying, "'Tis she will fail, I won't. She, in having therewith to complete the bargain between us, Wah, wah, there, I have done this before now. Well, a high, if she have not enough of her rubies and pearls to outweigh me and my gold, go to. Bolt will school her. What says the poet? Earth and ocean search east, west, and north to the south. None will match the bright rubies and pearls of her mouth. Aha, what? Oh, upleet, and he says, The lovely one's a bargain made, with me and I renounce my trade. The lovely one's a bargain made with me, and I renounced my trade. Half ruined, ah, said they, return and win. To even scales, ourselves we will throw in. How so? But let discreetness reign, and security flourisheth. Akleet nodded at him, and repeated the distich. Men of worth and men of wits, shoot with two arrows and make two hits. So he arranged with Bulk the same appointment as with the vizier, and returned to Queen Bonivar. Now in the dark of night, Aswarak stood within the gate of the palace garden of Marshalid that was ajar, and a hand from a veiled figure reached to him, 
and he caught it in the fullness of his delusion, crying, Thou my queen? But the hand signified silence, and drew him past the tank of the garden, and through a court of the palace, into a passage lit with lamps, and on into a closed curtain chamber, and beyond a heavy curtain into another, a circular passage, descending between black hangings, and at the bottom a square vault draped with black, and in it precious woods burning, oils and censers, and the odor of ambergris and myrrh and musk floating in clouds, and the sight of the vizier was for a time obscured by the thickness of the incenses floating. As he became familiar with the place, he saw marked therein a board spread at one end with viands and wines, and the nosegay in a water-vase, and cups of gold and a service of gold, every preparation for feasting mightily. So the soul of Aswarak leapt, and he cried, Now unveil thyself, O moon of our meeting, my mistress. The voice of Bonivar answered him, Not till we have feasted and drunken, and it seemeth little in our eyes. Surely the chamber is secure. Could I have chosen one better for our meeting, O Aswarak? Upon that he entreated her to sit with him to the feast, but she cried, Nay, delay till the other is come. Cried he, Another? But she exclaimed, Hush! And saying thus, went forward to the foot of the passage, and Bulp was there, following Ukli, both of them under a weight of bags and boxes. So she welcomed the broker, and led him to the feast, he coughing and wheezing and blinking, unwitting the vexation of the vizier, nor that one other than himself was there. When Bulp heard the voice of the vizier, in astonishment addressing him, he started back and fell upon his bags, and the task of coaxing him to the board was as that of hailing a distempered beast to the water. Then they sat, and feasted together, and Uckleet with them, and if Aswarak or Bulp waxed impatient of each other's presence, he whispered to them, Only wait, see what she reserveth for you. And Bonivar mused with herself, Truly that reserved shall be not long coming. So they drank, and wine got the mastery of Aswarak, so that he made no secret of his passion, and began to lean to her, and verse extemporaneously in her ear, and she stinted, not in her replies, answering to his urgency in girlish guise, sighing behind the veil, as if under love's influence, and the vizier pressed close, and sang, "'Tis said that love brings beauty to the cheeks, of them that love and meet, but mine are pale, for merciless disdain on me she reeks, and hides her visage from her passionate tale. I have her only, only when she speaks, Bonivar unveil. I have thee, and I have thee not, like one, lifted by spirits to a shining dale, in paradise who seeks to leap and run, and clasp the beauty by his foot doth fail, for he is blind, ah, then more woeful none, Bonivar unveil. He thrust the wine-cup to her, and she lifted it under her veil, and then sang in answer to him, My beauty for thy worth, thank the vizier, he giveth thee second birth, Thank the vizier, his blooming form without a fault. Thank the vizier, is at thy foot in this blessed vault. Thank the vizier, he knoweth not he telleth such a truth. Thank the vizier, that thou through him springest fresh in blushing youth. Thank the vizier, he knoweth little now, but he shall soon be wise. Thank the vizier, this meeting bringeth bloom to cheeks and lips and eyes. Thank the vizier. O oh, my beloved, in this blessed vault, if I love thee for I, thank the vizier. Thine am I, thine, 
and learns his soul what it has taught to die thank the vizier end of part 3 of chapter 2